So all the people who've been con marrying, like you're already two steps ahead of the game. Good for you. Keep it up. It's Tuesday, February 5th, and you're listening to the Typed Out Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Polifrone. Every week, Typed Out aims to deliver conversations that seek to expand the boundaries of understanding and acceptance. Today happens to be the second new moon of the year, which means the Lunar New Year has begun. But just what is the Lunar New Year you've heard so much about? Beginning on the first day of the second new moon following the winter solstice, Lunar New Year is a festival that holds roots in many East Asian countries, including Korea, Vietnam, Tibet, and many more. But the tradition has since spread to the globe, with populations celebrating in Australia, England, the United States, India, and Pakistan. However, the many incarnations of the Lunar New Year have been greatly influenced by the Spring Festival of China, or as you may be more familiar, Chinese New Year. Here to speak with me today about the traditions and customs behind Chinese New Year is my guest, Christina Mui, who is one of the co-founders of Queer Cosmos, along with previous guest, Colin Bedell. Christina is first-generation Chinese-American, a Brooklyn native, and presently works as a graphic designer. Hey, Christina, how's it going? Hi, Nick. It's good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. So... We've been greatly connected through Colin, who was featured on the Typed Out podcast as our second guest. Yes. So thanks to Colin. And also thank you for your work that you do with Queer Cosmos, because that is it's so great for our queer community to have a place to to find an astrological home. It is. Thank you for having me. And yeah, on behalf of Colin and myself, we're so happy to be represented and able to have a platform to spread the good gospel of queer astrology. Yes, yes. So the reason (laughs) why I wanted to have you on was to talk one about Lunar and Chinese New Year, but to actually give some cultural context to the celebration. Because I know that Chinatown in New York has a big festival that happens every year. And I do think that there's a lot of awareness around Lunar New Year and Chinese New Year, but not too many people may be familiar with the traditions and customs that influence Chinese New Year. There are a lot of nuances and, you know, auspicious beliefs that are tied around the food and the family and the bonding. And obviously the color red is huge. And I'm happy to talk more about all of the beautiful traditions that uh, surround the new year. And it it is very obviously a a big celebration and a really important time. Yeah. So one thing is that the Lunar New Year does follow the transition of the moon, as opposed to like when we celebrate December 31st being New Year's Eve into January 1st, that's the solar New Year. So we're moving by the 365 days of Earth moving around the sun. But this is following the phases of the moon, correct? Correct. So the Chinese New Year follows the phases of the moon in reference to the the solar rotation around the Earth. It does require some complicated calculations, but in most cases, uh, like you said in the intro, it does fall, uh, the New Year falls on the second new moon after the winter solstice. In the Gregorian calendar, the solstice is around December 21st, so that's why Chinese New Year typically occurs in late January or during the one one of the first three weeks of February. So in this case, 2019, 
the eve is going to be on Monday, uh, February 4th, and the first day of the new year is going to fall on the 5th, which is today. Which so is ha- today, yes. Happy, uh, <laughs> happy Lunar New Year. Happy Lunar New Year. Another thing that we do here in context with Lunar New Year a lot is that it's the year of, and it's usually an animal associated with the Chinese zodiac. Yes. So this year, I believe, happens to be the year of the pig, correct? It is the year of the pig. And more specifically, the year of the earth pig, because every animal in the Chinese zodiac, and there are 12 of them, Mm -hmm. also corresponds with one of five elements. So whether that's metal or wood or earth or fire, and I'm missing one of them. Water. Water. Like cancer. Yeah, that's me. just like you. Yes, of course. We cannot forget about our our water babies. Yes. <laughs> and so the Chinese zodiac, the animals change once every 12 years, correct? Um, once every 12 years, yes. And it follows a 60-year cycle, actually. So the 60-year cycle is comprised of five 12-year cycle. So that's why you have five elements, because every cycle corresponds with a different element in Chinese culture. So right. um, the pig is the 12th and the last sign of the lunar cycle. And it actually corresponds with the Western astrological sign of Scorpio. Oh, really? Yes. If you line it up based on um, the dates that overlap. So yeah. Scorpio would be, yeah, sometime in October or yeah, October, November. Very cool. So is it is because it makes me think that with the pig being the last in the Chinese zodiac, is it does it symbolize some kind of like a completion? Like, is there any sort of a theme that might be tied in there as far as like the completion of a cycle? You could absolutely see it that way. Yeah. And especially compounded with the fact that this is a new year, it could absolutely symbolize endings and new beginnings. I think in general, following the zodiac sign, it's above all else, a marker of time. Right. So Chinese people, at least historically, they denote age based on the animal sign and its correspondence to 12-year cycles. So for example, somebody who might say that they're born under the year of the pig can either be born in 2019 or 2007 or 1995, which are very different phases in, you know, the lifespan of a person. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in China, you won't hear people overtly say that they are X, Y, Z years old, but instead they'll, they'll kind of say the animal that they were born under and it's up to the listener to do the math. That's very cool. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and it's just to go with the whole saying that age is just a number, truly. <laughs> it is just a number, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's uh, hard to pin down like when my grandparents or maybe great-grandparents month, I don't think it's, it's usually documented at the time of birth, but um, especially not in the olden days. But So yeah, it's very different in the West where they do follow a very specific date and month and year. And then coming back to the elements, you mentioned that it's we rotate through the five elements once every 12 years, correct? Yes. So, and I think this is the last year for Earth. So I think we move to metal as of as of next year, 2020. But it's interesting because with Earth being like this being the last year of the element of Earth and then also the last year of the Zodiac with the pig. And then it's also mm-hmm. the last year and the teens like as 2019. So there's a lot of yeah. lasts before we turn to, a lot of endings. Yeah, yeah. to a really new page in, in the year of 2020. 
Yeah, so the elements will cycle through. So I think this is the year, obviously, of the Earth Pig, and I believe the next year will be in 2031, would be the next year of the boar. So yeah, it'll rotate to the element of metal. And then in 2043, 12 years later, it'll rotate to the water boar or pig, yeah, um, whatever you want to say. So yeah, it's kind of this endless cycle. One thing, uh, Mui, that you had mentioned in the beginning was the significance of the color red. I was just wondering there, like, what is it? Because there's also the red envelopes as well, which... Yes. Isn't that, is that a symbol of good luck? Do I have that correct? 1000%. It is... Um... Red is a, uh, well, red is the, the color of fire. Yes. It's the color of life. It, you know, it's meant to symbolize and inspire good fortune and joy and life. So in weddings, for example, if you go to some traditional weddings, um, in China, it's very customary for red to make an appearance and Mm -hmm. the windows and the doors will be adorned with the color red and obviously the exchange of red envelopes, which is customary for married people to bless unmarried folk or younger folks or the kids in the family with red envelopes just to say good luck and, you know, um, wish you the best. And uh, it's just a great color and I think psychologically speaking, too, anybody who sees the color red is immediately ignited and maybe a little too much. I mean, it is also associated with anger, but, you know, yeah. all this to say that it is it's an exciting color. So, yeah, I like to um, think passion, <laughs> passion. Yes, that's a much better word for it. There's a lot of focus on good luck. Right. And and mm-hmm. sort of establishing even within the home, I believe. Yes. Just kind of getting ready to receive good luck. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So in when when the Lunar New Year comes around, at least in, in Chinese culture, the saying goes Gong Hei Fat Choi, Sun Tai Gin Hong. And that is basically me, translates to, you know, I wish you good luck, I wish you prosperity, and I wish you good health. And I think that is really emblematic of what this time period is all about. And I'd also like to add that um this lunar new year it's not just you know the eve and then the first day sort of like how in western culture we have new year's eve and we've got you know the new year yeah it usually lasts up to two weeks until the 15th of february when the lantern festival happens so it's really this extended moment of retreat and traditionally in china where you know hundreds and and millions of people in disparate parts are away from their families they don't really have the opportunity to see their families and you know their homies and and, in their hometowns and their friends so when chinese new year comes around it it is factually the largest human migration in the entire world wow yes so it's when you know you're you're actually required to come home you're required to be with the family if for any reason you can't sit down at the table they will leave a seat open and utensils and a plate setting set up for you so that you know at least you can be there in spirit quite literally yeah so it really is um a unique time you know where schools businesses will will close their doors and you take this time to eat 
<laughs> uh, food is a hugely imperative part of the tradition. Yeah. Um, and particularly lucky foods. And, you know, I'm happy to get more specific if you're curious to know, like, what would be on the menu on yeah. a typical New Year's Day. Please. So it really does start on the eve of the first day. So, you know, for instance, if you're honoring the, the New Year here on Monday night, on the eve of the New Year, you'll go out, you'll go shopping for groceries. Um, you know, the streets of Chinatown are usually flooded and, you know, there are people selling flowers and decorations and special foods. And that night is when you spend time. It's kind of the reunion dinner where you sit down with the big family to to kind of kick things off. Some of the things you might find at the dinner table, you'll find whole animals. So when I say whole animals is that you'll usually find like a whole fish yeah not cut up into pieces but you can see you know from the head of the fish to the tail the, all the you know the nasty bits like the eyeballs <laughs> and all of that like you know chinese people love to to see the animal that they are eating yeah so for it to appear in its wholeness so um the other really beautiful thing is that these different food items are are, are really kind of their symbolism is based on either pr the pronunciation of the word mm -hmm. or the appearance of the food. So, for example, um, a a fish in Chinese, you say yu, that's how you say it. But yu is also another word for prosperity. Mm. So, you know, when you're you're wishing someone um, prosperity, you can say nian nian you yu, which means that may you always have more than you need. So having a whole fish on the table, you're you're quite literally, you know, wishing your loved ones more prosperity. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, you know, and that kind of um, pronunciation of the words, it's thematic throughout the menu. So this one rice cake, it's or you can call it New Year's cake, and my mother makes this every single year, like without question. It's called Nin Go. So Go is a word to mean like height. Mm -hmm. um, so when you say, when you actually make this rice cake or go, there's a saying in Chinese that is bo bo go go, which means that you're getting higher every step of the way. Wow, that's very cool. Like uh, yeah. kind of ascending in a, in a sort of way. Exactly. All exactly. Right. So yeah, when you show up to dinner, you show up to a neighbor's house to visit your friends, you'll usually present some nian go or new year cake just to say, you know, I'm bringing you well wishes for the future and prosperity for the year ahead and i hope that you get a promotion or you know win the lottery or just you know something like that you just want to wish them the best general fortune yeah yes yes and i recall last year friends of mine had ordered i think they're called gold and silver buns does that ring a bell well i know about buns but do you mean that that the with the filling is like this a sort of like a custard like a golden custard yes almost? yep okay Yes, yes, yes. I remember those being like a, a particular yeah, so, to the tradition. So I feel like things like dumplings and and buns, you know, back in the olden days in China when they didn't have a lot of money and the new year came along, they would whip out like their good dough to make like the good dumplings and like the good buns, Yeah, you know, because it is a special occasion. And if you think about it, both dumplings and buns are, you know, they usually have a filling inside. So it's like, we're going to use our best dough. We're going to use our best filling and like stuff these dumplings because 
Um, if you sort of look at it at a certain angle, a dumpling also kind of looks like gold, like the currency that they used to use like in, in ancient China. So, you know, you'll see things like dumplings or you'll see even tangerines that are the color of, um, you know, they're round and they have this golden quality to them. You'll yeah. see them on, on the table. And, um, you know, if you go to any little shop in Chinatown, they'll sell these fake coins that are usually if you bite into them, they're like chocolate. Um, but it's all to just inspire, again, this spirit of prosperity and this spirit of, you know, wealth and health and and luck. Yeah. And Mui, I wanted to actually come back to something that you referenced earlier about it being the largest mi- like family migration. And even like if their person isn't able to join you in in person, that there yes. is that spiritual quality as well. And mm-hmm. I know that there's a lot of deference to ancestors and those that have passed as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So one of the um, items, and I was actually speaking to my mother about this, and she reminded me that the whole chicken is also customary. So, you know, you'll go out and you'll buy a whole chicken and you'll steam it or prep it in some sort of way, but the wholeness of that chicken is meant to symbolize reunion Mm. and the togetherness of people. So they'll usually, you know, and it's also enough to feed the family, you know, they'll, they'll put the whole chicken as an offering to your ancestors, um, in addition to lighting incense and having fruits and, you know, you can put, you know, any gold coins or anything just to communicate with the ancestors, ask for blessings, ask for protection in the year ahead, um, and just to thank them and honor them. Yeah. I was doing a little bit of research just before having our conversation and I saw that there's the offering goes to the ancestors first and then the the surviving yes. family receives second, correct? Exactly. So you put up the whole chicken, right? You do your offering. And then I forgot the part where you then cut it up and eat it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is the best part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, two things that I, I wanted to, to bring up were, especially here in New York City with Chinatown having such vibrant celebrations of Chinese yes. New Year every year. Yes. Yes. There, there are two things that we definitely see reported on all the time. And one happens to be the parade with, um, I think it's a dragon and a lion. Are the, Those yes, are usually the two yes. figures that you'll find? Correct. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, every year and in any major city in America, so wherever you're listening, you know, whether it's San Francisco or Chicago, they'll usually have a, you know, a celebratory festival. Um, it happens on different days of the month throughout February. In Sunday, the Chinatown that's in New York City, the celebratory festival happens to be on Sunday, February 17th beginning around 12.30 or 1 p.m. So if you're around, it's a great time to just show up and, you know, be a part of the the, the celebrations. There's going to be a lot of colors, reds and golds and costumes and lion dancers, as you said, that are going to go around different businesses and blessing them with good fortunes and wishing them good business for the year and, and sort of collecting donations 
in return for that, you know, there'll be martial artists showing off their skills and celebrating with the crowd. And they don't allow firecrackers, unfortunately, in New York City anymore. My my mother my mother remembers the days when it was still legal in New York. Yeah. But um, you know, I guess for obvious reasons they've banned the use of firecrackers in a city like New York. But in some cities you'll still find them. Like for instance, my sister in law goes down to Philly every year just for the fireworks. And the reason behind the fireworks is simply because it sparks joy, it sparks celebration. Yeah. Um you know, the 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 sound combined with the the light is super exciting and um I guess traditionally, you know, I don't know how prevalent fireworks were in ancient China, but they, I'm not sure they had fireworks back in the day. So, um, but they did have firecrackers. So, you know, you'll you'll usually see a bunch of um, you know firecrackers like strewn along a rope, and they'll they'll light it on fire, and it'll usually you know go for a minute or two, and it'll be a continuous custom throughout the celebration and by the end of it you know the streets are always beautifully covered in confetti and papers and uh firecracker remnants and it's really a sight and uh i love walking around new york city's chinatown especially in the aftermath of the parade you know, my heart goes out to all the the cleaners and sanitation workers that have to deal with it. Yeah, but they do um, an incredible job because I like last year, yes. my friend and I we we did catch the aftermath of I think instead of using firecrackers, they had uh, they kind of look like you know those things that people use to like launch T-shirts at events. They look like those, but they have the streamers oh, and and such okay. packed in them. Yes, and so you the, mean the cannons? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, the cannons and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the aftermath was unbelievable of like the streamers and confetti and everything in the streets. I mean, we're talking Isn't like five inches deep of oh yeah, like paper remnants of beautiful colors. Yes, yeah, yeah, you're swimming in it, and um, you know, and it should also be noted that New York City has the largest Chinatown in in the United States. So, oh really? Um, yeah, so they do it really big here, and it's just a lot of um, yeah, it's just a lot of square feet of knee-deep confetti so what could be better than that seriously but like (laughs) new york sanitation they have that stuff on lock and it's cleaned up by the next day it's incredible and i wouldn't expect anything less from my city i know if only we could get mta to work (laughs) oh well that's a whole nother podcast seriously (laughs) but uh mui coming back to the firecrackers i remember reading because that usually is like a separate it's not the same day as the parade, correct? Like the firecracker portion of it is usually, I think, a separate day than the parade. At least that's to my recollection of what happens here yeah. in New York. You know, I don't know too much about the separate firecracker festival just because, you know, living in New York City, I don't because it's not allowed here. I'm not as familiar with it. Gotcha. But I do know and I, I should ask my, my sister-in-law because she, you know, deliberately takes the bus down to Philly to to witness Philly's uh, firecracker, but um, it might be a certain congregation either within the parade itself or on a separate day where they might, yeah, dedicate some time and and space on the street, um, fire hazard reasons um, to light and sort of enjoy the firecrackers, definitely. Yeah. And I was, again, doing a little bit of research and I was reading about how like the noise, like the even with the fireworks, like the noise is meant to like scare away or chase away um, like bad spirits or negative energy. 
Yeah, certainly. So they do, you can light firecrackers. And then another custom um, is to sort of clean your house out. So on, yes. on the, you know, on the eve of the new year, you know, you can open up your windows and open up your doors and just sort of clean house and, you know, sweep away the, the negative energy, the negative chi, but also make room for new luck and new beginnings. So certainly on trend with all this Marie Kondo uh, realness going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, at least people that are they're following uh, the KonMari method have at least the beginner steps to welcoming in yeah. so prosperity. All, all the, yeah. So all the people who've been like KonMariing, like you're already two steps ahead of the game. Good for you. Keep it up. That's right. That is so funny. <laughs> And you know, people like with her Netflix special, people are, I'm just like going through my Instagram stories and seeing hordes of clothes on people's beds and they're oh my God. trying to figure out what sparks joy. <laughs> it's a movement and I am here for it. Absolutely. Think, yes. Absolutely. Well, Mui, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us regarding Chinese New Year that you think that our listeners should be aware of? I mean, we've covered quite a great amount. Yeah, we have. I would love to just mentioned a little bit. Do you mind if I say a little bit more about the, the year of the earth pig and what that might No, I think the characteristics? Would, yeah, I think that'd be great. Okay, perfect. So 2019 is the year of the earth pig. So the element of earth is super unique, be a little bit different from other elements of, I almost said pig flavors, but like, <laughs> that might be a little too... <laughs> Hey, you never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Um, but Earth people are sometimes referred to as the pillars that hold the community up because of their functional and practical aspirations. Like mm. they're not the type to flake out or be caught daydreaming all day long because they have business to take care of and they promise to follow through on it. So they're super hard workers that are working to like produce long-lasting results. Mm. And in... Actually, I love the fact that John D. Rockefeller, the American industrialist, was an earth pig. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you look at the legacy of his work, he was kind of the famous person that stood out to me because not only was he hugely enterprising, you know, with his business in the oil industry, but he was also super charitable. His charity grew with his wealth, yeah. which I loved, you know, like the richer he got and the more uh, anthropic he got he donated more and more from Baptist churches to funding higher education to public health initiatives. So I just love that, that John D. Rockefeller is an earth pig. And, you know, we can look to him as an example of what to strive for this year. Yeah. And that just makes me think of a common theme that I've heard over and over, which is that the best way to manifest more money is by giving money away. Absolutely. And it's Absolutely. money itself is energy and it's transient. It can neither be created nor destroyed. And the fact mm. that you constantly are providing allows for more money to find its way to you. May I share a poem with you from the Handbook of Chinese Horoscopes by Theodora and Laura Lau? I would love for you to. Yes. Okay. So um, this is the poem that kicks off the chapter of the boar. And I thought I'd had to share it to you. So here it goes. Of all God's children, I have the purest heart. With innocence and faith, I walk in love's protective light. By giving of myself freely, I am richer and twice blessed. Bonded to all mankind by common fellowship, my goodwill and universal perspective knows no bounds. I am the boar. 
That's great. Thank you for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. I thought it was a nice cheeky little note to end on. And I hope that, you know, people can be inspired to, you know, not be stingy with their money, but also, you know, but, you know, focus on making their, that coin, but also be charitable and giving because I think we can all use it in this climate. Right. And uh, I hope that they're better for it. Yeah. And just to to piggyback, literally to piggyback. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> but to piggyback off the idea of prosperity, it's the idea that if we really want to allow wealth and prosperity into our lives, prosperity is for everyone. So yes. thank you for sharing that. And for everyone listening along and to you, Mui, I wish you good health and prosperity in this new Lunar New Year. So thank you for joining us today. And and sharing, you know, the customs and traditions that are associated with Chinese New Year. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Gong hei fa choi. I wish you wealth, prosperity, and a long life. And to everyone listening, happy Chinese New Year. Yes. And if you would like to see the festival, as Mui said, you can check that out. It's the Sunday, February 17th, correct? Uh, yes, February yeah. 17th um, at uh, about 12.30 or 1 p.m. in Chinatown. So be sure to check it out. Yes, and I definitely plan on being there. So if you are going to be there as well, just let us know and perhaps we can check it out together. But uh, You know, I, I will be there and um, I actually think that there's a, a, a little congressional breakout that's like dedicated to queer celebrations. Really? Part of the, uh, it's part of the larger festival. So I will be part of that uh, congregation and I would love to forward you more info on that if you're interested. But yeah, I would love to see you. Yes, honey. Absolutely. <laughs> And Mui, can we follow you on Instagram or any of the social networks? Yes, you can follow me on Facebook at Christina X Mui. That's M-U-I. And on Instagram at Christina X Mui, but divided with an underscore. So Christina underscore X underscore Mui. Great. Well, Mui, thank you so much again for imparting all of your knowledge regarding Chinese New Year. And for everyone listening along, I hope you now feel more expanded into understanding what Lunar New Year or Chinese New Year is. And I hope that you find an opportunity to celebrate today. If you've enjoyed listening along, I can only encourage you to rate, review, and of course, subscribe to stay in the loop as to when new episodes are released every Tuesday. If you are in the greater New York City area, Typed Out will be hosting Love Always, a screening and panel discussion celebrating long-term love in the LGBTQ community on Monday, February 11th. The event is free, but tickets are limited, and there are only a few left, so reserve yours now by going to our website at www.typedout.co forward slash events. If you cannot attend, but would still like to participate in the conversation, we will be streaming the panel with filmmaker Tony Oso and the couples live via our Facebook page, so make sure you are following us on Facebook to receive the details on that. I have been your host, Nick Polifrone, and as always... I thank you for listening. This has been a Typed Out production. Yeah.